0: Praise the Lord, everybody. Why don't we stand to our feet and clap our hands to the Lord and bless Him in this place today. Come on. He's worthy. (laughs) Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Pastor Jeremy, if you get out and tell everybody we're starting, then go ahead and come on in. Amen. Hallelujah. While you're standing, let's go to the Word of the Lord. I'm going to turn your attention to the book of Psalms. The 110th Psalm is where we're going to be this morning. Welcome all of you to the house of the Lord. If this is your first time here, God bless you. Welcome. We greet you in the name of Jesus. Amen. If you're joining us online, thank you for tuning in. We're glad you're here. Amen. And we welcome you in Jesus' name as well. Psalm 110 Beginning of verse 1, the Lord said unto my Lord, set thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. The Lord shall send the rod of thy strength out of Zion, rule thou in the midst of thine enemies. Thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power, in the beauties of holiness from the womb of the morning thou hast the dew of thy youth. The Lord has sworn and will not repent. Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. The Lord at thy right hand shall strike through kings in the day of his wrath. He shall judge among the heathen. He shall fill the places with the dead bodies. He shall wound the heads over many countries. He shall drink of the brook in the way. Therefore shall he lift up the head. And for just a little bit this morning, I'm going to treach on Psalm 110 on this thought. He became us praise God let us pray father let the living word today preach the written word cause my tongue to be the pen of a ready writer and write your word upon our hearts that we may apply it and obey it open our understanding that we may comprehend every scripture and everything that will be said today show us great and marvelous things we pray it in the majestic and marvelous name of Jesus and would you say amen Amen. God bless you you may be seated Psalm 110 is classified as a royal psalm. It's a royal messianic psalm. It explicitly prophesies the eternal priesthood of Jesus Christ. And it unequivocally proves the incarnation. Amen. How many of you know the Bible says in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. That's the incarnation. That, that, I'm quoting John 1 there. John 1, 14 also says, and uh, He, this, this God, this Word, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. We know the Bible says that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto Himself. And also, we know that Colossians tells us that in Him, the Him there is Christ, in Him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Amen. And so, Jesus used Psalm 110 and verse 1 to prove that He was indeed God manifest in the flesh. This is something that both confounded and frustrated the religious leaders, and it caused them to hate them, hate Jesus all the more, and want to kill him. We see this recorded in Matthew 23, or 22, Mark 12, and Luke 20, all the same thing where Jesus quotes Psalm uh 110, he asked the question because David said you know the Lord said to my Lord he goes who's he talking to who is he talking about and yet the son of man is the son of David and it's confounding them and and they're realizing he's claiming to be God well ding 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 he is God he could make that claim in the very first apostolic Pentecostal message Peter stands with the 11 and refers to Psalm 110 and verse 1 proving that it did not speak of David because he died and he said he's in his sepulcher but rather that it pointed to the root and offspring of David which of course is Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 2, you'll see it on the screen or you can open up with me. In verse 29, men and brethren... Let me freely speak to you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his sepulcher is with us unto this day. Therefore, being a prophet, I don't know if you know this, but David was a prophet. All right? Therefore, being a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to set on his throne. He seeing this before spake of the resurrection of christ that his soul was not left in hell neither his flesh did see corruption this jesus hath god raised up whereof we are all witnesses therefore being by the right hand of God exalted and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he hath shed forth this which you now see and hear. For David is not ascended into the heavens, but he saith himself, the Lord said unto my Lord, set thou on my right hand until I make thy foes thy footstool. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this same Jesus whom you've crucified both Lord Lord. And Christ. David prophesied it. Jesus fulfilled it. Peter preached it. Jesus is both Lord and Christ. He is both God and Messiah. Praise God. Amen. And he is all of that in one body. Hallelujah. This is why Jesus could say to Philip, Hey, Philip, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Hallelujah. Peter also went on to proclaim that day and that message that Jesus Christ was the one true God, he also said this, verse 37, But the Bible says they were pricked in their heart. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you. In the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. But I like the next verse, for the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. The message is still the same today. It's 2,000 years old approximately. But Jesus Christ is still who He says He is. The one true living God. Amen. He is still God manifest in the flesh. Amen. And you still must be born again of the water and the Spirit to be saved. Hallelujah. And Psalm 110 prophesies this. And it's approximately a thousand years before Jesus is born in the first place. But it's prophesying, not necessarily his birth, it's skipping immediately to his ascension after his resurrection. So it assumes that he's obviously already been born, lived, preached, died, and is now rose, that's uh, the resurrection, and then of course the ascension. And in Psalm 110, we will see in just a moment the reign of Christ. We will see the redemption of Christ, and we will see the return of Christ. Now, again, I want to remind you, David is writing this, seeing this, 1,000 years before it happens. Some of you might say, well, why do you keep saying David? Well, first of all, it does say a Psalm of David in the uh, uh, inscription but also Jesus said David said quoting Psalm 110 so I'm gonna go with what Jesus said and say David wrote it it's not an unknown author of this psalm amen Hebrews 9:28 from the New Living Translation says so also Christ was offered once for all time as a sacrifice to take away the sins of many people that's his first coming He will come again not to deal with our sins, but to bring salvation to all who are eagerly waiting for him. That's his second coming. So, therefore, Psalm 110 is a prophetic song that declares the absolute sovereignty of our Lord Jesus Christ. He alone is God. And in his name alone are we saved. And by his blood alone are we redeemed from our sins, and they are remitted. And hear the boldness of Peter and John. Acts chapter 4, verse 10. Be it known unto you all, and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you Oh, They're talking about the lame man. This is the stone which was set at not of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. He's referring back to Isaiah's prophecy about the chief cornerstone. And then he says these words, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name. What name? Jesus. There is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Amen. Anybody that's going to be healed today, delivered today, saved today, baptized today will not be baptized in the name of this church or its pastor. They won't be baptized in their own name, but they'll be baptized or healed or delivered or saved in the only saving name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because only that name has, if I come to you and pray for you in my name, you, you know, you might get a goose bump or two, and it might make you feel, you know, all fuzzy inside, but not, and nothing ain't going to happen. But if I pray for you in the name of Jesus, or you pray for someone in the name of Jesus, I can tell you something's going to happen. Hallelujah. Because at that name, demons tremble. At that name. Sins are remitted. At that name, amen, sickness and disease has to take a back seat, amen. Praise God. Verses 1 through 3 of Psalm 110 foretell the absolute reign of Jesus Christ. In Psalm 22, David saw Calvary and saw 19 distinct prophecies that were fulfilled on the cross that Jesus hung on. He did see, in part, the resurrection in that prophetical psalm. But in Psalm 110, he sees not only the resurrection, but the ascension and the absolute reign of Jesus Christ. From Scripture, we learn that God's throne and the earth is His footstool. And yet, in Psalm 110, we also learn that God will make His enemies His footstool. Wow. Not only would Jesus conquer death, hell, and the grave, taking away its sting and taking away its victory, his resurrection and his ascension would once and for all solidify his absolute reign over everything this is why Jesus could look at Pilate and boldly tell him you could have no power at all against me except it were given you from above you might be the governor you might be something in Roman uh, uh, politics uh, but unless you had power from God Pilate unless it was granted to you you would have no authority This is why Jesus would tell his disciples that all power was given unto him in heaven and in earth. Amen. This is why Jesus would also say to his disciples, behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. I know I've said it before 101 billion times. I'm going to keep saying it. Satan belongs under your feet. You have power to tread on serpents and scorpions. Hallelujah. This is why, John who wrote the book of Revelation, also called the Revelation of Jesus Christ, would reveal the absolute reign of Jesus. And in the first chapter of Revelation, verse 8, he wrote God's words right booming from heaven itself. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty Verse 17, John says, When I saw him, I fell at his feet dead, and he laid his right hand upon me, saying, Fear not, for I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. Praise God. By the way, by its very definition, both in the Greek or Hebrew, you can only have one Almighty. You cannot have a God of the Old Testament claiming to be the Almighty and Jesus of the New Testament claiming to be the Almighty and both of them be right. In other words, Jesus is God manifest in the flesh. Jehovah of the Old Testament is Jesus of the New Testament. Hallelujah. And His reign is absolute over All, somebody say all. All. Every knee will bow. I'm not going to have mine be forced. I'm not going to have some cosmic power of God knock my knee. I'm going to willingly bow. Every tongue will confess. I'm not going to wait for God to force my mouth open and my voice box to declare. I'm going to want to be one of the first ones saying, yes, you are King of kings and Lord of lords amen and david sees this approximately a thousand years before jesus is even born by the way what david is seeing in psalm 110 we haven't even seen yet we can look back and see calvary now david can look ahead and see it again psalm 22 but psalm 110 is something we haven't even seen yet it's still yet to come in the unknown future I don't know what that, maybe you're like, oh yeah, of course, you know, of course it does. But to me, it blows my mind. Because if if David is about a thousand years before Calvary, and Psalm 22 prophesies that, 19 distinct prophecies, we're about 2,000 years beyond that. In other words, David saw something that's over 3,000 years. Are you seeing that? Wow. By the way, since Jesus Christ reigns over everything maybe we ought to stop worrying about politics so much maybe we just need to realize that Jesus Christ is Lord of lords and king of kings you can't impeach him and he ain't going to resign hallelujah the next thing the psalm talks about is the atoning redemption of Jesus Christ verse 4 Which, by the way, Psalm 110 is the most quoted psalm in the New Testament. Psalm 110, verse 4. The Lord hath sworn and will not repent. Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Hmm. Oh, hallelujah. In Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1. Now, I didn't give you all these, Sam, so just, just, you know, the ones I give you you can put up. But I'm just going to refer to some of these. In Hebrews 3, verse 1, Jesus is called the apostle and high priest, okay, of our our, uh, confession. King James says profession, but the word means confession. He's the apostle and high priest of our confession. Hebrews 4, verse 1, he's called the great high priest that has passed into the heavens. So it's, it's implying that Jesus Christ is this great high priest. Now, here's what you have to understand. Jesus is of the tribe of Judah. Judah was not the priesthood. The the Levites were. So he can't be after the order of Aaron, which is the priest, which is the Levites. He has to be after the order of Melchizedek, which (laughs) predated the law. That's what uh, Melchizedek, king of Salem, went to Abram. Okay, right? Okay. Back in Genesis. That's who he's talking about here. Okay. Okay. Then in uh, Hebrews 5, uh, verses 1 through 10, there's plain declaration of the atoning redemption of the priesthood of you. You ought to read Hebrews uh, after today. That's your homework assignment. Uh, Read through all these that I'm referring to. Hebrews uh, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. You, You just read all of it, but those especially. But Hebrews 5, 1 through 10, talk about the atoning redemption of this high priest. And, and, and compares how the other high priest uh, they could only you know, sacrifice sins, but that this high priest was the, the sacrifice for sins. Uh, and, and by the way, all of these are quoting Psalm 110, verse 4, and also referring back to Genesis. In Hebrews 5, 6, directly, and also 5, 9 through 10, we see again the quoting of Psalm 110, 4, giving us absolute proof that the atoning redemption would come through Jesus Christ and his priesthood. Now watch what it says here in Hebrews 5, 9 and 10. And being made perfect. How many of you remember a few weeks ago when Scott Graham was here preaching? He talked about how that what do you do with the lambs that are, that are, you know, blemished? They get to live, but the perfect one died. He, the perfect lamb, the perfect high priest, was made perfect. I'm not perfect, but I am forgiven. He's perfect. Hallelujah and being made perfect watch this he became the author the originator the founder he became the author of eternal salvation unto all that obey him we read it in Acts earlier everyone who obeys the Word of God becomes a part of his eternal salvation he's called of God on high, excuse me verse 10 called of God and high priest after the order of Melchizedek hallelujah So how did Jesus become perfect? It's a wonderful question. And the answer is this. Well, he was first born of a virgin. The Bible says, born of a virgin, born under the law. He was tempted but did not sin. He died as the supreme, sinless, spotless Lamb of God and took away all iniquity in one day. He arose the victor over death and hell and the grave. He ascended into glory in order to send his spirit back upon those and to dwell in them who desire to be filled. Or we could just read 1 Timothy 3.16. And without controversy. Great is the mystery of godliness. God, By the way, a lot of people stop right there. It's a mystery. You can't understand the god. And I'm like, the verse continues. God was manifest in the flesh. What's that sound like? Sounds like John 1, 1 and 1, 14. God became flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached on the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. That's how he became perfect. We now return you to your regularly scheduled message in Hebrews and Psalms. So Hebrews goes on, the writer of Hebrews continued to revealing the the absolute atoning quality of the priesthood of Jesus Christ. Prophesying again, linking back to Psalm 110.4. Rounding out the sixth chapter of Hebrews, we discover that in uh, chapter 6, verse 18, it's impossible for God to lie. And that because it's impossible for him to lie, verse 19, he is an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast and he's also the forerunner in death and entering heaven as our high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Then, almost the entire chapter, the seventh chapter of Hebrews, is devoted to describing who Melchizedek was and proving that Jesus Christ is our supreme high priest. One thing you need to know about Hebrews, real quick, is this. Everything about Hebrews is to show you the better way. The new covenant is better than the old covenant. Christ is better than Moses. The priesthood of Christ is better than the priesthood of Aaron. It's on and on and on showing you better, better things. And in Psalm, excuse me, and in Hebrews 7:21. Once again, Psalm 110.4 is quoted. It's about the fifth or sixth time in Hebrews that it is directly quoted. Proving that Jesus Christ is a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Further proving that because of this, he has become the guarantee and the guarantor of a better covenant. Going on. The writer of Hebrews further explains that Jesus Christ's priesthood is an unchangeable priesthood. In other words, since he won't die, it will not be passed to another inferior. Mm. He's already died, rose again, and behold, lives forevermore. Therefore, his priesthood ends with him. And by the way, extends to us who are filled with him because we are royal priests In his kingdom. Watch what Hebrews chapter 7, verses 23 through 27 say. And they truly were many priests, because they were not suffered to continue by reason of death. But this man, because he continueth forever, in other words, he's alive forevermore, hath an unchangeable priesthood. So who's he talking about here? Jesus, the absolute high priest, right? Watch this. Verse 25, wherefore he is able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing that he ever liveth to make intercession for him. In other words, he can save to the uttermost, and one preacher said, and to the guttermost. Hallelujah. It don't matter. He can, he can save the, 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 the raunchiest sinner. Amen. He can bring a person from, from the craziest lifestyle. Hallelujah. Why? Because he lives forever. Now, he's still talking about Jesus, right? The high priest. Watch Verse 26. For such an high priest, do you see it? Became us. Now you know where I got my title from today. He became us. Who is holy, harmless, undefiled, Separated from sinners and made higher than the heavens. Mm. The atoning redemption of Jesus Christ. He became us. His covenant is eternal. Let's go back to Hebrews 4. Watch this. Verse 14, seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest who cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us, therefore... Come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Is there anybody here who has a need today? then I tell you again what the scripture just said. If you have a need, you can boldly come to the throne of grace because your high priest has is not one who is so aloof and so separate from people that he cannot be touched. He knows what you're going through. He knows what you're feeling. Why? Because he became us. He became our sin and took it to his cross. He nailed it to his cross and put it to death here's something you need to understand when they buried him in that borrowed tomb they buried every sin every sickness every disease every guilt every shame but when he rose three days later those things did not rise with him he came out alone It doesn't mean that guilt and shame and sin no longer exist. What it means is their power was forever done away with. The sting of death and the victory of death no longer exist. Sin does not have to have power over you because you know who Jesus Christ is because he became us. And again, David is seeing what I'm preaching to you a thousand years before Jesus is even born. If that doesn't make you understand that this Bible is what it says it is, I don't know what will. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians five seventeen. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, most... Oh, sorry. Uh, behold, 99.9... Huh. Well, I'll be. Huh. Behold, all things... It is in there, isn't it? Looky there. Huh. Behold, all things are become new and All things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation here's another one of those God in Christ verses here we go to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself watch this next verse or part not imputing their trespasses unto them in other words not requiring you to make the payment for your sin I don't know about you, but that makes me feel good because there is no way on this green earth I would have ever been able to pay for my sin against him. Huh. And hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be you reconciled to God. And look at verse 21. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. There is no way I could attain God's righteousness. There is no way I could have earned it, bought it, figured it out, and otherwise partaken of it. He had to become my sin. He had to become me in order for me to become like Him. And only through Him and only through His name and by His blood am I able to take on His righteousness. You know why that makes me feel good? Because when we stand before Him, if our sins have gone before us, the Bible says that He will look upon us and say, well done, good and faithful servant. He will not see our sins upon us because they've already gone ahead. All He'll see is His righteousness on us. But if our sins have not, if we've tried to figure out righteousness on our own, if we've tried to come to salvation on our own terms, if we've tried to figure it out and do it without God, then all he'll see is flesh and no flesh glories in his presence. And he won't see his righteousness, which is why he'll say, Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. You know, since Jesus has already paid the price for our sins, why don't you let him forgive you? Why don't you just let him heal you? He's already taken stripes on his back. Why don't you let him deliver you? He has power over death and hell, the grave. Why don't you let him save you? He's the author of eternal salvation. In fact, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. You don't have to wait for a special revival service. Today's the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time, the Bible says. And that leads us to what the final three verses of Psalm 110 talk about, the anticipated return of Jesus Christ. And those verses reveal to us the apocalypse as it's going to happen when Christ returns and the armies of the world are gathered at a place called Armageddon or the valley of Megiddo and they will be there and God will come and rain down His fiery wrath and judgment upon them overwhelming and overcoming the armies and the heads of these countries just as this psalm says. Now let me say something to you. Since verses 1 through 4 have already been fulfilled in Jesus Christ because we have the ability to look back in history and look at other places in the Bible and see that it has happened. He did come. He did preach. He did die. He was buried. He rose again. He ascended. That's verses 1 through 4. The eternal reign and and the ascension and the priesthood of Jesus. Jesus. And if the first four verses of Psalm 110 are already fulfilled, please don't think God is a God of saying, well, that's the majority because that's four out of seven. I got over half. No, the other three will be fulfilled too. And, And very possibly in our generation. In other words, since he became us, We can become him. And becoming him means we can be ready when he comes back. When he comes, I want to go. When that trumpet sounds, I want to hear it and rise to be with Jesus. Well, I believe you do too. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus Christ is our high priest, and he becomes so that we could become his righteousness. So don't wait until it's too late to repent and be born again. I wonder how many people, when the ark's door shut, begin to wonder, that's weird. How did that door shut? If you know the measurements, or if you've been to the ark encounter, or you've seen it's a large door. Now, granted, they could have devised a pulley system, but the Bible says God shut the door. And I could only imagine some of those people looking at there and making fun hey, hey, you're in the ark, nothing's happening, it still ain't raining. All of a sudden, <laughs> uh, well, you don't have to slam the door on us. How did that happen? I wonder what might have, some of them might have thought after a little bit of time passed and the rains began to come. The fountains of the deep erupted. In my imagination, I would have to think that there was the final person who had maybe made it to some high ground somewhere. The Bible says the waters covered all the mountains of the earth by 15 cubits. It's about 22 feet. The tallest mountain was covered by at least 22 feet of water. And as that water began to rise higher and higher and higher, and they're the last one, I wonder what went through their mind, thinking if only I would have got on that ark. Maybe they saw it floating off in the distance. I don't know. I realize this is just my imagination. This is not necessarily scripture. But here's what I am telling you. There are going to be people who are asking at the coming of the Lord for the rocks to fall upon them. And at the same time there's gonna be people Luke 21 28 who are lifting up their heads and lifting up their hands and looking up for their redemptions drawing nigh I want to be in that number if I'm not already dead in the grave I want to be at that number saying he's coming he's coming redemption And you can be there too. You don't have to be a part of those who are asking for the rocks to fall upon you. You don't have to die in sin. You don't even have to live in sin. Because he became us, you can become him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want us to stand to our feet today. And I want you to pray with me. We've got a couple of minutes here. I want you to pray with me if you feel in your heart that you need to repent I want you to do it right now I'm about to pray and I'll pray loud enough that that you can pray as well if there's something in your spirit that you need to pour out to God please do so if you want to come to this altar and pray there's gonna be some music playing there might be some people talking they might be setting up for second half but pray don't delay When the songs start in the second half, if you still feel like you need to pray, keep praying. It's not out of order. It's in order. Hallelujah. Lord Jesus, search our hearts today, God. Search our spirits today, God. Search our minds today, God. Cleanse us from all unrighteousness, Lord. Wash us and purify us. Help us, oh God, I pray, to, to see you For who you are, as this psalm reveals, the author of eternal redemption. Help us to see you as the high priest who has an absolute reign. Whose atoning redemption became us so that we could become you. And who is coming again to reign forevermore. Oh God, I pray that every one of us today, under the sound of my voice, would be ready. I pray, everybody listening online, I pray for every prodigal today, oh Lord, that they would come home before it's too late. I pray, oh God, that you would move in this place, oh Lord, and touch our hearts. Oh God, help us to be ready. Help us to become you because you became us. You can be forgiven today. You can be healed today. You can be delivered today. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 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 Can we just lift our hands and thank the Lord together? Can we just magnify him? You can clap if you want. You can uh, shout if you want. Let's just take a moment to bless him. Uh, thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for your love. Thank you that you became us so that we could become you, Lord. Hallelujah, we praise you. Hallelujah, we love you. We glorify you, God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Why don't we put an encore on that? Is that all right? Come on, let's just put an encore on that. He's worthy. He's worthy. Yes, he's worthy. Praise God. Second half is going to begin in about 10 minutes. There'll be some singing and all. Our kids are starting the VBS, but there will be singing and preaching today. There's also a dinner afterwards. I invite you to please come and stay for that. It be a great time of fellowship, and it's, it's not very expensive. Amen. So everyone's invited for that. Amen, God bless you, greet one another, bless one another. Amen. We'll see you back here in 10 minutes. Thank you, Jesus.